Hello and welcome to Down With The Patriarchy. I'm Ben Richards. And I'm Elia Jo. He's as white and male as they come. And she, well, she isn't. But together, we're hoping to uncover those castle composers we don't know so well. That's right. So, good morning, evening, afternoon, listener, whatever you happen to be doing. Perhaps you're... Yep running perhaps you're walking perhaps you're in the bath i don't know i do all sorts and i'm listening to podcasts well we're, then we're, i don't think well um i, <laughs> I don't listen... think ben really listens to podcasts at all. <laughs> uh, i i listen to our podcast if that's of any use and the reason why How i've vain. been lis- <laughs> the reason why i've been listening to our podcast recently is because well reader listener viewer um <laughs> you may be hearing that uh we that, well that i don't sound hopefully like i'm coming to you from the bottom of a bath anymore um we're very <laughs> excited when we launched series two with nathan uh two weeks ago now um but one of the things i noticed was is that the the quality was rather low and ellie had decided to purchase herself a new microphone and so yes. I thought, we, we can't really, this cannot continue. So we have a raft of improvements. Ellie's given me her old microphone. Ellie's using her new shiny Blue Yeti microphone. Oh my gosh, uh, it's so pretty, guys. It's so pretty. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the go-to for all the pretty podcast people. And I think, um, are you calling me pretty? Well, I, you know, <laughs> people don't know, do they? They've actually seen you in the flesh, but um, they've, seen a, they've seen a pin paper drawing of you but that's um, very true yes and but also we, we we're using a different medium to record this episode today aren't we Ali? we are at zencaster thank you very much for creating such a flipping fantastic platform to record podcasts on this is great yeah so and it's free do it's free send us messages and let us know if the quality is better <clears> for you guys or if you preferred it when we sounded like we were under the sea yeah under the sea it, um this so... does this does now mean that we we can we can no longer the sad thing about this is we can no longer do this podcast from our respective beds it's true um, we have to actually set up a thing i'm yeah. in this nice little new office that i created slash forced in my house under the stairs and i've made it into a little podcast booth so hopefully it sounds kind of cool because yeah. it's a an investment from ikea i'll tell you that much <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I i i did i well i i sort of outsourced my podcast room i'm currently in my brother's room um because he's got he's built his own pc and he's got two nice big monitors which is really handy uh and he's built because, his own pc well i say he's built his own pc he bought the he he had a pc custom built on the internet anyway um oh, it works very cool very it's nice. very cool and he hardly uses it. Uh, and also he, he works in the day and I don't because I'm a waster. But um, <laughs> no, I, hardly, I work Ben, the... you work for the NHS. I work, I'm, an NA, I'm a key worker hero. Um, I'm really not, but <laughs> I just mop floors of an evening. But anyway, um, uh, yes, I'm here uh, in, in his room using his equipment. So thank you, Joe. Uh, but anyway, that's <laughs> a sort of sidetrack aside. Today we have uh, our first, well, I suppose our first composer of this series that isn't either alive or isn't a composer in Jesse Norman. Um, That's true. And, um, well, it's also, I think if I put this right, this is our first Latino composer, if I got that right. 
I think so. I don't think we've had any other Latino composers. I don't think we have. Now, the interesting thing about this is that today's composer, uh, Valdemar Enrique, who's a uh, Brazilian uh, composer who's of uh, Portuguese and indigenous descent, the reason why we know about Valdemar Enrique is because of a wonderful record label called Brana Records. I got a message on Twitter about a year ago from lovely Lara from their sort of comms team saying that they really liked what we were doing with the podcast at the time. And would she like me to have some CDs? Would she like to send some CDs over from their record collection? And I said, yes, that would be lovely. So I went on their website and I picked a few different CDs with the idea of thinking, well, maybe there's something in here that we can use on the podcast. So Brana Records is an interesting group. Basically, they exist uh, to publish the recordings of the Polish-Brazilian pianist uh, Felicia Blumenthal. So they've got all these wonderful recordings, and some of them are the canonical composers, and some of them are composers that you don't know so well. And this uh, this CD here is actually a CD by her daughter, uh, Annette Celine, who's, who was uh, a soprano. And rather impressive CV, you know, concerts in all the great sort of recital halls of the world. She's fluent uh, from a singing perspective in eight languages, which is very handy oh for gosh. this sort of Portuguese uh, CD that she's done here, singing in Portuguese, but sort of mainly uh, Brazilian composers. So it's mostly Valdemar Enrique's music, but also uh, with some Villa Lobos uh, chucked in there and some other Brazilian composers as well. So this is where we uh, where we heard uh, this music first. So thank you so much to Runner Records for thank supporting you, us. Thank you, Records. And, and also thank you so much for giving us permission to use little snippets of the pieces in today's podcast hopefully if if the podcast places will allow us i mean i don't think they i don't think their music's on streaming platforms it shouldn't be a problem but i'll leave it should be fine we've got written permission from brown records so hopefully you enjoy it with a little bit of music here and there splashed in and if you and if you can't hear it on today's episode then please do go and look them up they're a fabulous organization who are trying to champion the perhaps underheard and uh, so should be this this these people should be more popular than than they are and and they're doing amazing absolutely work. so um, I, honestly this I think guys you're gonna love this music because as soon as I popped it on earlier I just I texted Ben instantly saying oh my god this is amazing yeah. so much fun so should we get started Ben how about you give us a give us an overview yes. Well, so Valdemar Enrique was born uh, in 1905, February 1905, and he died in March 1995. So a long, long life, 90 years of life. He was born in uh, Belém do Pará in Brazil, and as I said, of mixed Portuguese and indigenous heritage. Uh, When he was uh, young, his mother died uh, quite early on in life, and he went to Portugal to live with his father. And he returned to Brazil in 1918. His first hit came out. It sounds like he's sort of girls allowed or something. His first his first <laughs> compositional hit was released in uh, uh, 1923, uh, Mina Terra, and it was recorded in 1935 by Jorge Fernandez, but achieved great success with the recording of Francisco Alves in 1946. I'm using a great website, musicalbrasilis.com, um, which publishes a lot of Valdemar's music 
and they have a lovely little timeline here. So all credit goes to them. That sounds good. So we'll, he, we'll tag them. We'll tag them in this. So he he was studying in Brazil and he spent many years uh, studying in Brazil. He moved to Rio in 1933, where he studied uh, piano orchestration, composition and regency. But he had a bit of a sort of tricky situation because his father and his family didn't really approve of his music making. And I think his father actually sort of forced him to get a job at a bank, uh, which uh, which he didn't really uh, appreciate. Um, and, and they never really, really got behind his music making, which is a shame because according to the liner notes for this CD, he's one of Brazil's best known composers, although I've never heard of him, but then I've never been to Brazil. So I suppose that's very true. Yeah. Even um, though my but... rabbit is called Rio, I've never been to Brazil. Like yeah. Fraud. <laughs> but anyway, he this this his first piece, uh, Mina Terra, uh, which translates as my country, was actually quite a popular national favourite at the time. Uh, and his his job in the bank, he did leave uh, in in the late nineteen twenties uh, to try and I, I like this to seek fame and fortune as a pianist and composer in Rio. Which I he think really does quite... sound like Girls Aloud. It does, but I just find the idea that he went to seek fame and fortune as a musician quite uh, ironically amusing. But I mean, you know, maybe he maybe he did have a a fruitful existence uh, as a musician. Who knows? Um, <laughs> his his sort of niche really is that sort of. Well, I suppose he's almost a. I, I hate doing this. You know, the sort of he's a black. Uh, we've done this before. Black Mozart, yeah. Black Mahler. Yeah. But but he has written sort of two hundred songs for piano and voice so it's sort of i suppose it would be useful to sort of imagine him in a sort of schubertian yeah sort of, of world it, it would in, be in, neater if it was elsewhere yeah not 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 in style at all yeah not in no style at all. oh gosh no we'll get on to style a bit later yeah but but certainly in terms of you know he's not writing huge symphonies he's not writing um great orchestral works and all that kind of thing he's unlike um his mentor and contemporary villa lobos who is you know quite well known i think in in the Western classical world as well. Yeah, Probably definitely. one of the few composers from Latin America that has sort of pierced into the canon a little bit. Um, mm. So so his music is, is kept in this very particular area. And because of his popularity and, and his, in Brazil, uh, he was sent to Europe in 1949 uh, with his sister under the auspices of UNESCO uh, to sort of tour France, Spain and Portugal and promote Brazilian music. So he was this sort of cultural envoy, I suppose, for Brazilian music and yeah. went sort of went to these areas, you know, particularly Spain and Portugal, where there's certainly Portugal, where there's a sort of language connection and Spain, there's a sort of cultural connection. Try Absolutely. and sort of be poster, poster boy uh, for the, the Brazilian music scene. Um, what was also quite interesting is is that um, is that earlier on in his life he often shared the stage with Carmen Miranda, which I think is quite an interesting. Really. Um, yeah. So uh, uh, in the um, he worked and performed in radio and Casino da Orca when he when he lived in Rio de Janeiro, often sharing the stage with Carmen Miranda. So I mean that's quite an interesting sort of cultural mishmash and sort of. I, I love suppose that. You know, sort of someone who we do know very well in the Western world from from Brazil, uh, and and seeing him sort of interact. I suppose it reminds me a little bit of um, when we talked about Taifa back in series one, 
uh, and her connections with sort of Jean Cocteau and all that kind of side of things. Sort of seeing seeing those connections. Um, yes. So anyway, the his music. Uh, let's talk about a little bit about the influence of his music. It was um, it was Villa Lobos who encouraged him to return to his folkloric roots. Um, he was a real exponent and champion of the culture and the legends and the fables of the indigenous peoples of Brazil, uh, particularly uh, the indigenous peoples of the Amazon rainforest, the Amazonian people and the, the tales and, and legends that are so intrinsic to the cultures of those um, tribes and groups of people. And he spent a lot of, yeah. You can you can really really hear it. Yeah. I think it's it's very. Well, I'm sure we'll get onto this in a few minutes, but it's so yeah. passionate and it's so, I don't know. It, there's there's just a there's an an oldness and kind of a timelessness to it. Yeah, and I think we'll, we'll chat about. But. Yeah, and I think it's it's interesting that you know he very much um, f- finds those. Ah, say that again. He very much finds the. This is this is his core interest. The, the, these people and what they what they do and how they perform music. There's a lot of sort of Afro-Brazilian musical influences in his work, um, and so you get the distinct impression that he was really fascinated by these people. And I think partly because of the fact that he's got this mixed heritage as a sort of Portuguese and an indigenous mixed heritage gives him some sort of cultural capital in in this area. It's not just some sort of outlier coming into the into the world of uh, of this music and just sort of writing a pastiche of it. it. This is this is something that's very much within him. And and I think that's quite interesting really because you know that sort of that that's quite a, a current theme. I was thinking about this with um certainly with the Latin community because that that was one of the big criticisms of the original West Side Story was the yes. the, mis- the misrepresentation of the of, of Latino people and uh, yeah exactly and, that's, and that this new film has sort of tried to address that and and even now I mean there's there, there's a lot of good work that's been done there but there are still sort of um, people that have that have criticised it and saying it doesn't go far enough in some places and that kind of thing and mm-hmm. it's you know it's interesting sort of talking about these these areas of music this. Valdemar Enrique wasn't born into a, an Amazonian tribe. He didn't live that kind of life, but he he was he was linked to those people, and so had had very much a great sense of agency when coming to write music inspired by that and setting texts that that take these the, the tales and fables and legends of of these people. He he had all of that available to him, so I think that that does give him a, a real degree of authenticity. Um, I mean, not to say that 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 a composer can't be influenced by by other cultures at all, but but I think but I think if you're going to be so focused in one particular area and one particular style, I think it's quite important to have some some cultural capital in that area. Oh, definitely, um, I I completely agree. It's it's like I mean, we briefly mentioned cultural appropriation earlier. Mm. It's the difference between cultural appropriation and appreciation. Mm. There's absolutely nothing wrong with taking I say taking a kind of borrowing things from other cultures because you love them and you have a connection with them wherever that might come from mm. I, I don't know on a very personal note 
this is getting a getting a tad deep on down with the patriarchy. I I think I resonate 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 quite strongly with that because mm. from the perspective of someone who's grown up in a very white environment, but with yeah. a dark skin tone, I've always been fascinated by my heritage in a in a very objective way because mm. I didn't have very much of a connection to really any kind of Africanness or any kind of blackness in inverted mm. commas really until I left school and learned more about it and went and did some research and learned a lot about racism from lots of different sources. I, I've i always looked at these things from a very outside perspective and I feel like I've often pinched things, which sounds really stupid, but I've pinched things from my own heritage with no understanding of where they came from or what they're like. Hmm. What What... I don't know what inspired them in the first place. Like the fact that braids came from slavery and drawing maps in hair and things like that. Whereas the first set of braids I got was because they were kind of pretty. So yeah, <laughs> I I think it's it's really really interesting and really important to explore composers who do use other influences and do use other countries. Because mm. I mean, this was a man who had a very a very well, as you, I think you said before, it's a kind of like a cultural mishmash. Yeah. He he grew up mixed Portu- Portuguese and indigenous heritage, mm. but he was moving around France and Spain and Portugal, and he was kind of pinching a little bit from every culture because it was a part of him in some way. Yeah. And I think I think it's really it's really reflected. So. Yes, and I think what's lovely about him as well is that he spent the majority of his life actually particularly the majority of the end of his life the latter part of his life living where he was born in um in Belém which is a sort of area of Brazil um in 1943 returned there to become director of artistic culture and then in the mid 60s he he took over the direction of the Teatro de Paz in Belém which he remained there until 1980 and he died in Belém and so he he lived there for I mean, since the forties, so that's you know, sort of fifty, fifty years where he was he was in that area and he was educating uh, people from his area and directing the theatre in his area and sort of giving back to the place that he called home, whilst also branching out into Brazil and falling in love with other other areas of the country and drawing on those cultural differences and. Uh, idiosyncrasies to create this wonderful body of music which is very hard actually to come by and one of the reasons why it's hard to come by is because according to the the cd liner notes he had a lot of problems with publishers and copyright organizations and eventually just gave up trying to get his works published which is really sad that's awful so Um, that's why that's that's what part of the reason i mean i think other other than that i think obviously the fact there's this you know the fact that we just don't have as much this sort of music, the sort of Latin classical music in our in our repertoire, but but the fact that it's so nice to see Musica Brasilis sort of championing his work and publishing his music because you can you can um, look at his scores on their website, which is really really lovely to see. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, I mean, this is this is what we made the podcast for. It was to champion composers whose work was blocked and purposefully neglected yeah so is there 
do you have any information about why it was why he struggled so much with the publishing was it his race was it um i don't know, I don't know. It, it's yeah, the, the the other thing about Enrique is is actually there's there's very little information sort of immediately available at your fingertips normally when we research these podcasts there's there's normally a fair bit actually on on each composer but there's very little and i think one of the things that makes it tricky actually is that is that because because of the distance and because you could argue actually that this is the this is the composer that's the furthest removed from our western culture that we've covered because even the composers that are that have been of a different race have have been american or british or have been sort of connected intrinsically to the western classical world i mean mm. even even someone like bright sheng was in, in that respect because we you know we, we talked a lot about his involvement with sort of american presidents and all that kind of thing yeah. so because 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 enrique hasn't penetrated that sort of bubble you know a lot of there's a lot of sort of doing crude google translates of pages on on the internet to try and sort of find things and also to try and find translations of some of the texts that he uses so i think that actually the part of the reason why we don't know is just, just because there's I imagine if we were in Brazil, or if we could, or if we had more yeah, opportunities to, true. you know, to, to read the Portuguese, that we'd probably know a little bit more. I don't know why it's a shame, but I, I don't know whether it's because, I, I don't know whether it's because of, of of his race or whether it was simply just to do not the fact being understood, that not yeah. being understood. I, it's a it's a tricky one. But then it's really difficult. We don't want to assume it was because of no, his race, because oh no. that's a whole other kettle of fish that yeah. we must get onto at some point in the podcast. Yeah, but, but the good thing is, is that if you do, if you are interested after hearing this music and some of the music that that um, that Annette Celine is performing is available on Music Brasilis, and you can purchase it and you can you can buy the scores and you can you can use the music, which I think is really really important because I know that. Um, I think with a lot of the composers that we've looked at before, it's been very easy to get hold of a lot of their music. Some of it's, you know, out of, in the public domain now, so it's easy to access. Oh yeah, quick Google um, and PDF and <laughs> yeah, it's got everything. But I feel mm. like Musica Brasilis is doing a lot of the same work uh, that the that the publishers did for Modric Owen, who we looked at in series one. You know, that yeah. was there's a lot of work going on there um, to try and uh, bring her work out and. And so I think that that it's the same thing. I think I think uh, dedicated um, publishers from the native country of the of the composer trying to um, trying to bring their music out. So let's talk about the music. Um, oh, the music. The music. Yes. Ellie, Ellie, why don't you? What do you want to talk about? I mean, okay, I'm just gonna pause here. Yeah. Because I just want to play them so in how long ago did you send me this link i think you sent it maybe uh maybe two hours ago three hours yeah. ago yeah and i've already listened to i'm gonna butcher this entirely um we were yeah we were Puru, yeah oh we were Puru. yeah i've listened to that 11 times <laughs> have you and so do you do you know? And do you I, know what it's about? No, I have no idea about the context, but I just know that I blooming love it. One second, I'm just going to pause so I can just play it. I'm going to mute myself. Mute myself. So whilst, uh, if I, I think I still am being recorded, whilst Ellie uh, goes away and listens to 
uh, Annette Celine singing Wira Puru. Why don't I tell you, lovely audience, uh, what's going on in this in this song? And hopefully, in this little bit here, we will uh, we'll place a little clip. So it's actually a, an Amazonian legend about a special songbird, and basically uh, there was this warrior who fell in love with the daughter of the great chief, and. It was a forbidden love, as it so often is, and so he couldn't get close to to this uh, this woman, and so he asked the god Tufa to transform him into a bird, and uh, he turned him into this little bird, the the, the Wirapuru, uh, which is a bird native to the Amazon rainforest, uh, and is is known as a as a songbird, uh, and the the irony of the story is that the chief. The father of the ma- of the woman that this man is falling in love with um, immediately falls in love with the sound of this bird, and he starts chasing the bird to try and imprison the bird and keep the bird so that he can have the bird song to himself. Um, but in the e- in his eagerness to capture the bird, he gets lost in the forest, and every night the Wirapuru sings to his love. And he just hopes that one day the, the songs that he sings will be will be able to be heard uh, by by his by his true love. And so that's what this song is all about. This it's about the the bird of the uh, of the Amazon. Um, I get that. I so yeah. get it. I think so, I I might have said it out loud when I was listening to it the first time, but I think I said something along the lines of this is it's just like a bird. Yeah. It sounds like some kind of there are bits of it. And sorry, I don't mean this to sound offensive in the least, because I think that our fantastic mezzo, Annette Celine, has the most, like, oh, it's such a, I want to say sensual voice. It's just, it draws you in. And I think (laughs) it just, there are bits of it that remind me of kind of clucking and squawking and parading about. Mm. And there are bits of it that remind me a little bit of, like, Fiddler on the Roof. Um, Yeah. And with some of the rhythms, this doom, do, 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 rhythm over and over again. And, oh, I, it's fantastic. I, I, yeah. Got... Well, and Esselie does such a wonderful job with the text in all of this music, I find. And and, and it's interesting because I, I think she died in 2017. And, and I don't know about you, but I feel like her voice is from a, almost from a bygone era. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. There's a sort of, there's a, it sounds like a voice that you can imagine being heard on a crackly 37 rpm lp yes you know yes and i and think that having this, to move the pin uh, yeah. yeah there's a sort of the the vibrato is 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 i don't know how to describe it almost perhaps it, wider and and a bit more perhaps almost there's a sort of there's this vulnerability to the voice yeah, that's so well it, controlled and it's it, it's a bit more raw i think than some it's it's not it's not like a very it's not like a smoothed over sort of um, yeah, kind of... it doesn't. It doesn't have that polish, and not in a not in a rude way. It doesn't need to be, because yeah, I think everything about it, everything about how raw it is, how sometimes just funny and rough around the edges. She makes these little phrases. Yeah, and I, I think, think that's she... so intent. I think that's uh, intentional, isn't it? Yeah, I exactly. Yeah. I, yeah, and it's it's almost like she's singing it. I can imagine it being sung at a family dinner. Yeah. For example, sort of salon dinner's music. finished. Yeah, proper salon music, and yeah. they're sitting around the fire. The, the piano's out. I don't know. Then pulling up a chair and just singing through some old 
sheet music you found it's, it's that yeah as you said it's that feeling of a bygone era there's yeah. things which i think only happen in in some families these days mine included but <laughs> yeah i think yeah no it, it is yeah. yeah and singing around the singing around the piano is, is not something that lots of people do um and i think Definitely. that you, you can it's amazing that she has this command of eight languages and it's so clear that she understands i mean i don't i don't understand portuguese but but i've never sung in portuguese but but that it's so convincing and so utterly confident and so deliberate in its portrayal in, in all oh my gosh pieces, yes pieces. There, um, there was another one that i listened to which was completely opposite really mm. i'm just i'm gonna mute myself again ben don't mind me okay. um but let me just find the name of it and then i'll i'll tell you which one ellie's gone to find the name she probably will edit this bit out actually um because you know that's what she does um but if not, then I'm just going to continue talking. And this this hopefully will end up in the outtakes of this episode. Well, we this is the thing. We've got so many outtakes, most of which is just me being a useless podcast host and not being able to get my words straight. So actually, if you would like to hear uh, a compilation of me <laughs> singing a complete nonsense, then do write to us on Instagram. And, oh, and do send us a DM. With, with the hashtag... Um, Do you write to people with hashtags, Ben? I don't know, but I feel like we should get something <laughs> trending. Just sort of, you know. We should. We, we should. want. We want hashtag. We want bumbling Ben. I think that would be bumbling Ben. Babbling bumbling Ben is kind of <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, I think so Ben should have his own podcast. But anyway, that's a separate story. Oh God, I'd have Can to. I... I'd have to. I'd have to edit it so much. Oh. So a... Okay. Anyway. I found the name Ben. I found the name. What was the name, Ellie? Tell us. All. Morena. Ah, Morena, that was another one I was good. Yes, that's, yes. Oh. Well, do you know what Morena's oh. about? No, of course I don't, Ben. You go, go, go. So Morena, uh, Morena is, it, the, is the translation of Morena is brunette. And basically it's this, it's this love song. Uh, I left, well, this is, a, this is a crude translation here, but I left the hut, I left my cattle to see brunette of my care, beautiful brunette that I loved so much, the purest faith I swore to you. I have already been arrested for a lily just for liking brunette in colour. Beautiful brunette that I loved you so much, the purest faith I swore to you. So, um, yeah. It's, it's a proper love song. Proper, yeah. Proper devotion. I'm not really sure whether I have already been arrested for a lily. I'm not sure if that's quite... That's a very literal translation. So, you know, maybe... <laughs> I'm not really sure what that means, but... I wonder whether it's something maybe I... I'm sad because you've stolen my heart or something like that, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But basically, but, it's yeah. it's all about this brunette. Uh, I presume I presume we are talking about a human being. Uh, it doesn't, it's, it's a bit ambiguous. Maybe maybe it's not. But um, yeah, it's, also, it's 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 a proper sort of proper love song, proper love tale. It is. It's 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 so stunning. There's mm. moments of recit and speech and. Again, this there's a section in the middle, mm. and I said this to James when we were listening. It's the kind of thing where if it was a pop song nowadays, mm. there'd be a really cheesy bit of speech over the top. Like, oh right, yeah. You know that I love you. Together we can run away into the moon and the stuff. You know something stupid like that. But in yeah. Portuguese, oh my gosh, it would sound incredible. So yeah. so sexy. Sorry to say. Sucentios. So um, <laughs> so um, any other pieces that you enjoyed? I've got another one that I enjoyed, but I might. Okay, go and, you go. 
well, it's the it was the last track. It's not the last track on the disc, but it's the last track of Enrique, which is uh, uh, Abaloi, I believe it is. Hang on, I'm going to go and listen to it, and I, I'm going to mute myself, and I'll be back in a moment. Ellie, you talk. Okay. <laughs> is this how we're going to do things now? Um, okay, so I'll, I'll do yes, a bit it. Yes, of... it is. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, I would just like to, I'm just going to completely change the subject here and inject and say how grateful Ben and I are that you're still listening to this after all of these episodes, after all of these series, all of these series, I mean we're only on the second one, but we're we're ever so grateful that you come back and you listen to us every single week because we really started this for a bit of fun and I started it to see if I, I, I could try and make a career out of it and, um, and I mean I'm trying and I'm trying to get Ben to try too but we wouldn't be able to do any of what we do without people like you listening to us. So that's my little bit of cheese. But I'm so privileged to be able to sit here and talk to you about composers that I love and adore, or that I don't necessarily love and adore because I don't really know very well, but composers who have never got the recognition they deserve, composers who have been purposefully neglected from the limelight for years. So I'm just so grateful that you want to listen to it too, because... I love talking about it, and clearly you kind of like listening to it, so we're going to mm. keep going until you tell us to stop. Well, and, and, and even if you tell us to stop, we won't. We won't. We really enjoy it, so we're going to yeah. keep doing it. <laughs> yeah. That was that was beautiful. I, I had I had, I had had both you and uh, Arnett singing it's really at the same nice, time. It's really nice, isn't it? Um, that was a, that I feel, I feel like, I feel like your little speech there deserved music, but actually this wasn't really the the most appropriate song for it. I don't yeah, know what it's really about, wasn't. but Abalwaye is, is this sort of, they've got this brilliant sort of, you'll hear it in a minute. punchy Latin, punchy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and um, and yeah, and Etzelin's absolutely going for it. It's really, really good. It's just, it's brilliant. It's a minute and a half. It's just sort of very spicy, minor key, just wonderful little little piece of music. It's Angular great. It's and just, fun and oh. there's so much attitude in so many of these pieces, and then there's and then there's just so much sonority and so much sort of wonderful lusciousness as well. It's 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 a it's a really wonderful wonderful collection, and I'm sure it's really brilliant. I'm sure there's a lot more of his music out there. I don't know how much of it has been recorded, and I I'm just so grateful that we've got these 13 tracks to actually listen to, um, which is which, oh, which, which is great. Honestly, so grateful to have them. I mean. What I love most about this music is, because of my stupidly short attention span, it's just how bite-sized it all is. Yeah. So you can sit down, you can listen to a track that's, some of them not even a minute and a half long, and you mm. can just get carried away and then you're back in the real world. And yeah, yeah it's fantastic just to mm. sit down and have a listen to them, because even though we're hopefully playing them in the background of this, you you might not get the full effect so so hopefully we'll be able to go and well hopefully you'll be able to go and buy some records because i don't think you can stream them because it's not fair to creatives and that's another conversation we'll have for another time but yeah. go and buy these cds because it's so worth it yes and the thing is is that i you know we can have the argument about streaming when there's i don't know four thousand million different interpretations of the beethoven symphonies but when you've only got this disc available in the UK to listen to this music, then do go and do go and have a look. And and who knows, you might end up down a rabbit hole and find some other music on that website that you're interested in as well. And, and if you do, let us know. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Um. And yes. And thank you once again. You know, 
So I do the official, I don't do my radio voice. That was uh, Balwaye there, kindly provided by Brana Records. You can find all of their discography at branarecords.com. I hope that's the URL. If it's not, that then... was so good. That uh, sorry, I, I was I was in shock. I was waiting for the this is classic FM noise to come on after that. Yeah. This is Patriarchy FM. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be incredible. Wow, Patriarchy Radio. PBFM. P- so... PBFM. Anyway, sorry. Yes, go on. <laughs> I mean, we've got one segment left, Ben. So <gasps> we have. Let's should should we say it at the same time? Should we count ourselves in, or should we? No, yeah, let's do that. Um, because we're actually because of this being recorded both sort of natively, remotely, we, it might actually be in time. Okay, should we do it? Three, yeah. two, one. Swipe, Swipe right, right. Woohoo! We did it. Yes. This yeah, this is music that I that it's just taken my heart. I think honestly, in a in a very different way to the others, and I've got. I don't know why. I've got a real connection with it. I think it's it's all the different cultures all mashed together. I've just I love it. Also the other the other one it. one other thing to say is that the um the artwork on these albums is all just really, really lovely. And I'm um I'm I, I wish I knew I wish I knew who it was by. But it's really, really lovely. It's coffee table C D material. Yeah. It's, it's really you, you can actually yeah. have it out. It's just wonderful. Yeah. And and um this is actually think I think this is the Yes, I think this is only this is the third disc from from the collection. This is quite an early one, actually. Um, so yeah, please please do go and read up on Wildemar. Oh, you don't need to read up on him because I've just given you all the information. <laughs> but I mean, if you now want you to know try all and... about him, go oh, and go you know on. What? Yes, if you speak Portuguese, get in touch. Oh yeah, please do. Yeah, we'd love to speak to you about about we really would. music in general. Um, but it, so yes, so the places you need to go are brannerecords.com, But also, if you would like to purchase the music of Valdemar Enrique, please visit musicabrasilis.com. That is Brazil with one L in the middle, and you can find Valdemar Enrique there under their sort of composer section, and you can find some of this music, including and um, definitely you can find Wira Puru. I'm not sure if you can find. I'm not sure how much of the other stuff you can find. Minatela is on there as well. Uh, just go and have a look, have a browse, and maybe include it in one of your upcoming recitals or whatever it is that you're planning. I always like oh, doing that. That would when be so great. That it's always just so much fun when you can add this music. That's what I did last year with Marvel though, and it was just lovely to kind of add this extra dimension of music that we just discovered. So yeah, if you like it, oh, go and that. give it a go. Give it a go. Please do. And also let us know if you do, we'll we'll tune into your recitals or we'll come and watch or something. Yes. That would be so much fun. I mean we within could... reason. I don't think we're able to fly to Portugal or anything. But No, we we could we could do a live broadcast. Oh, that would be so cool. That we must cool. do a Patriarchy recital evening. Mm, that would be Let's very host cool. that. Yeah. Anyway, we we could talk forever. I mean Ben and I do talk forever. We're chatty yeah, people. Yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> so should we wrap it up there then? I think we should wrap it up there. Um do you know what? Actually, oh no, I do know what we're doing next week. I was about to say I have no idea what we're doing next week, but I do know what we're doing next week because this is meant to be going out on what the eighth of 
February, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Which means that next week we'll we'll be we'll be talking about your book, won't we, Ali? We will. This When's is it so coming exciting. out? It's coming out on the 10th of February. You can pre-order it now from Amazon and other places. It's already been recommended on a website about which books you should be reading. So please go and give it a pre-order. Give it a read. Give it a buy. Give it a I don't know. Give it a review, but only if it, you're going to be nice. I'm yep. really bad with criticism, so don't be rude. Um. Yeah, if, if you if you want to be if you want to be critical about anything, criticize me on this podcast rather than Ellie, and then I, I'll I'll take that. That's fine. Um, <laughs> but don't criticize Ellie. Uh, but actually, also, but genuinely, we would be, we we would be incredibly uh, grateful about uh, your thoughts about this new audio recording that we're doing today. Yeah, um, it would be so helpful. So yeah. so helpful. So. I think I'm just going to say a big fat thank you for listening and yep. can't wait to talk your ear off next week about my book. Yeah. So, yeah. Can't wait. How exciting. Wait. I'm looking forward also to doing a bit of a, I suppose it'll be a bit of a retrospective in a way, won't it? Because we'll be revisiting some old favourites from series one. We will. Series one, episode one. And a series one, episode one and episode three, if I'm not mistaken. Or just episode one? Just episode one, unfortunately. Just episode one. Oh, right, okay, that must have I been an earlier draft. Uh, yeah. No, episode I, three, I episode three was Dan Elfin. Episode four. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. And I'm not, I, I haven't got the, the, the running order of series one mapped out in my head. I could be full of colour. <laughs> if you're a, if you're, if you are a Petrobarchi-like groupie and you, you can remember them in, in order, and tell us what your favourite episodes are, actually. Do we know? Oh, please do, know, do. What's the most popular episode that we've had in terms of viewers? Oh, in terms of viewers. I think purely because of how much longer it's been up and there's always the hype around the first episode, Florence Price was genuinely one of our most listened to. I'm just oh, okay. whipping up whipping up the, um, the, the stats. But Dan Elphick... So Florence Price, then Dan Elphick. Right. Then we had the episode where we talked about Sophia Gabardina, yeah, which was also really popular, and yeah. also the one about Jermaine Taifair. So we've... Oh, I the mean, first two episodes, the first three episodes have done rather well then. Yeah, and oh, I mean, yeah. hopefully you guys can all tell us what you want to hear and we'll give it to you and then you can tell all your friends how amazing the podcast is. Please do yeah. that anyway. I mean, it really do us a do us a favour. Do us a solid. Do us um, a solid. Yeah. I had to force myself not to say that. I've been spending too much time with Will. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, thank you so much for listening to us Babylon. Yeah. And we can't wait to talk your ears off next week. Okay. Have a good week, guys. Bye.